Hey guys, Kenneth Yim here. I'm so sorry for disappearing for a year and a half. The last podcast was about time, how ironic, and that was in September 2019. Well, now we're in May 2021, and I want to bring this podcast back because there's a lot to learn, and I want to bring some special guests along the way for this talk especially. This is something I've been putting off for a very long time until talking to my personal life insurance broker and uh, realized the importance of why I need life insurance. And also talking to her, I also found that it can become an investment, which is pretty crazy. So it's not like you're spending money, you're still making money at the end of the day, and it's something important to have, and it's something that's important to start early, along with all the other assets that you're building as well, too. So with that, listen to this podcast, and thank you for coming back to this. I think that one of the biggest issues a lot of business owners have is not so much how can I, um, you know, let's say make more money. The biggest issue that we come across is how can I eliminate or minimize my taxes owed? I want to transfer my corporate assets to my family, but they're stuck in my corporation. Right. So that's one of the biggest problems that I see end of life for most business owners. It's Kenneth Yim, and thanks for tuning into Boardwalk Talks, the Toronto real estate investing podcast, where we walk and talk and go around the board and play the game of collecting properties because we all want to generate enough passive income to fund our lives so we don't have to depend on working to earn active income. This show is dedicated to discussing the strategies to help you achieve financial freedom through real estate. Hey everyone, it's Kenneth Yim here, and I got a special guest today, Erica Lee. She's my own personal um, insurance agent, life insurance agent. And uh, the reason why I want to bring her on today is to talk about the benefits of having life insurance if you're a real estate investor, if you have a lot of assets to protect, and even if you don't have any um, kids to, I guess, protect as well too. This is not for people that already, well, I guess it is for people that have life insurance. Maybe you have to reevaluate it because I did have another broker before you. And the reason why I switched to you, I mean, she was amazing and all. The reason why I switched to you is because you understood how to deal with investors and how um, how to structure life yeah. insurance really for I that. I think life insurance, and, and I will talk about this a bit too in, in my presentation, but life insurance is, it's so different than what people used to think of it. Um, and it's such an effective tool, but you have to really understand how to use it and how to use the different products available to you for each specific client. Like I said, I, that's the part I love about it, working with different people. Every one I meet, it's a different case, right? So one size never fits all in insurance. And that's what I always tell my clients, because if someone's going to come to you and tell you, well, this type is the best type of insurance, I would definitely say that they probably don't understand it well. Um, because again, Canadian insurance companies have done an amazing job at creating so many different products because those are different solutions for so many different problems. Um, and each one is different. So one is not better than the other. It just is depending on you and your situation. Right. And your industry got a really bad rep, I guess, or at least to me, it got a really bad rep because of, um, you know, America, like those, like, you know, things like that, right? The, the, I would the say pyramid schemes. America is a very different um, type of uh, insurance company. And like I said, their whole, um, you know, ideology is to buy one type of insurance and that's it. Uh, do invest the rest essentially. So like I said, I think it's a lack of understanding of the products and how you can actually use them um, as tools. And just thinking that, you know, only one is good is such a, um, to me, a very simplified mentality. And, and again, it's a lack of understanding of the products and how to use them. So to really, you need to make sure that your broker understands the different types of products, the different companies um, and what they offer, because each company offers different products as well. 
Okay, so I don't get paid for this. Uh, I'm not getting a kickback from you or anything like that, but it's really powerful in my 40s. I finally realized the power of it. I wish I started earlier and hope everybody watching this has started earlier as well too, particularly if you have investments, real estate investments to cover off your, um, I mean, to hand off when you die because eventually you're going to die. So um, for me, the reason why I- that problem yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, not yet. But um, so the reason why I came to you is, uh, luckily I found you, it got introduced to you, is because like my primary strategy is to invest in real estate, invest, go heavy, heavy, heavy on real estate. But then what you got me is that if I die, how are they going to pay? How are my successor is going to pay for the capital gains? Exactly. And I'm not the type to say, no, don't invest in that. You know, I've always thought that insurance is what I call like an umbrella investment. It's really to protect all of your other assets and investments that you work so hard to build and grow. So it's really something, it's more of a protection for, for everything else. Um, and we'll talk about that and how you can actually use it. Sure. And then you're going to get into, um, I guess, how insurance could be used as an investment. Cause I was like, Oh my God, that's how you sell me. So um, it's, it's an, it's really primarily as an insurance vehicle. And then um, it becomes an investment vehicle after that. Exactly. So it's really both nice benefit. Okay. So I know we have a lot to ground to cover. We only have an hour or we'll try to keep it under an hour. I'm not sure if you can do that or not. So yeah. um, I'll hand it off to you. Actually, first of all, why did you get into it? So I know you love helping people. I know your, your family's uh, generations in the business. So yeah. Yeah. What is it? That's like your story. You know, honestly, I don't have some big story as to why I got into it. It's honestly, um, you know, my dad, like I said, he's been in the industry for so long now. You don't meet too many um, insurance advisors that have been in the business for 30 plus years. Um, but again, I, I got into it right out of university. Um, I took the time, like I said, to do my designations and really I delved right into it and, and tried to learn every single aspect and every single corner of the industry. I started working with clients with him, which I was so lucky to do so because I, I think I really got to um, experience what it was like to be an insurance advisor, which to me is not the sales part. Um, I think our job is really when it comes down to like the death claim part, unfortunately, right? Um, but that's really what I do. And I find so many new agents don't get to have that experience in the first, let's say, five years of their career. And because I had um, been working with my dad, I was actually very lucky to be able to be there during those times and to actually see what it is that we do, which is helping people at one of the most difficult times of their life. So that's probably what kept me in the industry, really seeing that how much help you're actually giving to people. Um, what we do is probably... Um, the only person at that time of that difficult, um, you know, period where I'm coming to you, I'm probably the only person coming to you with a check and that's it. Nothing else. Everyone else yeah. is coming to you with bills, um, with hardships and just tasks, right? We're really the only people coming to you at that time just with help and that's it. And that is just because, um, you know, your loved one took the time to plan. Right. Um, so I know that insurance is obviously different for every single person, every single situation. Mm -hmm. um, we had some clients where they inherited properties and, you know, it seems like a great thing to inherit a multi-million dollar portfolio or whatever. But then when you're attacked with several hundred thousand dollars of, of capital gains, you got to pay right then and there, or else you don't get the property yeah. that can actually happen to a lot of people right. like that inherit properties. And also that if you're passing on properties. So for our investor clients, a lot of people, sorry to, to interrupt, no, a lot ahead. of people don't realize that that's the case. 
Um, and, and that's a little bit surprising to me um, how many people don't realize that that's the case. They're aware that there will be taxes, but they're not <laughs> aware of how significant those taxes will be. Um, yeah. So we're definitely going to talk about that today and um, how, how it works, how it's calculated and what we can do to prepare for that. All right. So why don't you get into it? Okay, so like Ken said, thank you for that amazing introduction, but he really um, was pretty amazed at how effective of a tool insurance was, especially with regards to um, real estate investments. So he asked me to put something together um, in terms of really like focused around that problem. So that's what I've done for you guys today, talking about what are the problems that you're faced with, um, what are the possible solutions that you have, and we'll go over briefly the different types of insurance um, so that you have a general understanding because that's another thing I find a lot of people don't really have a general understanding of the different types of insurance. Um, and then we'll just talk about the different concepts and how you can actually take advantage of what's available to you. So the problems, we already kind of talked about um, it a little bit, Ken, but obviously the biggest and most obvious problem is going to be the taxes. So taxes um, is going to be the most expensive tax bill of your life, most likely, and most people aren't prepared for something like that. Liquidity, um, fulfilling your end of life wishes and optimizing your total net worth, as well as I'm gonna touch on meeting financial obligations in the event of a premature death or illness, okay? Okay, so taxes is basically, yeah. um, capital gains gets there to go. All right, cool. Exactly, so taxes, um, we're gonna, mostly talk about the capital gains taxes because that's really what is um, you know facing real estate investors. So currently capital gains taxes has a 50% um, inclusion rate, which we'll go over a little example on the next slide. But what that means is that when you take your total gain, 50% of it has to be included in your income. So that's the capital gain. Um, that's gonna really, you know, pose lots of, um, you know, that's gonna be a big tax bill for most people, especially with the way the Canadian real estate uh, market grows. As well as I just wanna note that although it's a 50% inclusion rate right now, you know, there is some uncertainty with that because it could go up, it could be eliminated and they say no more capital gains, um, you know, the whole thing is taxable. So that's something that I would say is not unrealistic, especially current state of our economy and, and, and things. Um, so that's something to note, but it is a 50% inclusion rate right now. Okay. So step back a little bit really quickly. Um, so you have, say you have a, a, a million and a half dollar property that you either inherit or pass down to your children. So depending mm -hmm. on which way you're looking at the life insurance, say we're passing it down to our yeah. beneficiaries. There we go. Oh, awesome. Uh -huh. <laughs> you're, you're, you're okay. So the reason why you need capital gains. The number that I made. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's hilarious. I didn't even see these slides yet. So exactly. Okay. So you, okay. Actually you, you run through it. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just assume you purchase a property or um, yeah, let's talk that's about that. if you're purchasing a property and you're talking about it when you want to pass that on to your family. So yeah. you purchase a property for one and a half million dollars. Um, you know, the future value in 20 years based on a 5% annual uh, growth rate, that means that in 20 years, that property would be worth just under 4 million. Okay. Yeah. So that leaves you with a total gain just under two and a half million dollars. Okay. So we talked about the 50% inclusion rate, which means 50% of that total gain is your taxable capital gain. So that means 1.239 million has to be included in your income in that year. 
And that's obviously going to push you into the highest um, tax bracket, which means 50% of it approximately is going to be owed in taxes. So that's going to leave you with about $620,000 that you have to pay in taxes just to pass that property on. Now let's assume you have five of those. Okay, so that's going to leave you with over $3 million, assuming you have five of those very similar properties with similar growth. Okay, so I'm going to go back one um, slide, just so we can go over the, the other problems as well. But of course, capital gains taxes is definitely um, probably the thing that's on most people's mind. How are we going to pay that tax bill? Um, how's my family going to pay that tax bill? How are they going to be able to do that? Okay, and the next thing kind of, you know, plays into that, which is liquidity. Um, you know, certain assets, although real estate is a liquid asset, it's not as liquid as you may need it to be. Okay, as well as there is the potential risk, of course, and you know better than me can, but there's always the risk that you can't sell a property when you need to, or you can't sell it at the price that you would like to. Um, and all of those other things um, really pose a risk if you have a need for cash immediately. Okay. Well, there's a the vacancy my, and yeah. yeah, sorry, go on. No, no, an example of that would be like a vacancy of the tenants leave and, uh, you know, you're, you're stuck paying the mortgage and you can't yeah. pay it. Exactly. Yeah, this is like down the road, right? This is probably yeah. the way. Yeah. So even things like, um, you know, just having a difficult sale, even if you can sell it quickly, but the closing is in three months, you don't have the funds until the property is closed. So depending on how quickly and what the cash needs are at that time for your family, the liquidity poses some sort of risk because you may need cash right away. Okay. Um, optimizing net worth and fulfilling wishes. Like I said, every client is in a different situation. So what they want and how they want to distribute their assets is going to be different. So depending on, um, you know, what those wishes are, you may build up a very significant um, rental income property portfolio, and you really want to pass that on to your children so they can continue to maintain those properties and continue to receive that rental income. So if that's your wishes, then you know even selling the property and the liquidity is not even an issue because now you want to figure out how can we distribute those assets in a way that they can actually maintain them. So this is something that we have to, to you know, Wishing is always great, but we want to make sure that you have the funding available so that those wishes can actually become reality for your family. Because one of my favorite quotes is, um, failing to plan is planning to fail. And I love that because it's so, it's so true, right? Wishing is so great, but if you can't actually put those things in place, then really what good is it to even have those thoughts, right? <laughs> um, and then maintaining expenses. So this is a little bit more what you were talking about just now in the sense of, you know, let's say a tenant is not there, I have a vacant property and your family needs to be able to maintain those expenses and meet those financial obligations in the meantime. So something like that is important that they have, again, um, the cash available to them immediately. So those are really, um, I would say the biggest problems facing real estate investors. Do you have anything that you've come across, Ken, that you would probably add into that? Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say like just tax bills that come up that are unexpected. Sure. If you if you don't have the rental income coming in, I think that would be the biggest thing, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. probably in this situation. Yeah. Well, so every situation is different, obviously. So exactly, every single situation is different. So we went over this, um, and again, like I said, you know, this is on one property that I'm looking at the value of 1.5 today, which is a very average property price, right? 
Um, and again, based on the 5% annual growth. So a property like this and, and the capital gains, again, it's just important to note just for anyone who doesn't know, but that would be on any investment property, any property that you have above your principal residence. Okay. Right. So um, I, I haven't been through it yet, but if um, somebody passes and inherits, you inherit that property and you can't pay that bill, they will force the sale of it. And then, well, you'll definitely have to do something to come up with that bill. But if you can't, otherwise the assets don't um, pass, right? right. Like so 619,000. Yeah. You don't get the asset really. And exactly. they'll have to either force a sale of it and you get the proceeds after that. Whatever's or left or, or other assets or that kind of thing. Right. Like either way, I mean, I think there's only a few things certain in life and it's probably death and taxes, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and investments. Yeah. Exactly. No, so true. taxes, um, you know, it's going to have to be paid one way or another. Um, and then that comes to my next slide, which is how can we pay that? How can we pay those tax bills? Well, there's one option, which is probably the most obvious, and that's literally just to pay it, um, use cash and pay your taxes. Now, that's going to cost you $1 of your cash to pay $1 of tax. That's going to significantly reduce your total net worth that you're passing on to your family. Um, and again, I don't come across too many clients who have millions of dollars sitting in cash that is just readily, you know, that they can pay out to uh, their taxes. Okay. Plus this is after tax cash too, right? Exactly. So. so, you know, nowadays you don't find too many people just sitting on millions of dollars of cash, right? There are always things to invest in um, and to put that money into. So, so again, but if you do have it, it's just important to note that that's going to cost you a dollar to dollar of tax. Okay. The next one, and unfortunately, one of the common um, solutions that people have to do is to borrow the funds. So they would borrow money to pay the tax bill. Uh, this is going to end up costing you more than a dollar to pay a dollar of tax because you're going to have to pay back not only the loan, but interest on the loan. And again, that's also going to significantly reduce your total net worth that you're passing on to your family. The third one, which is what we just briefly talked about, this is going to be selling assets to fund the tax bill. So again, that's going to pose many risks in terms of liquidity. Is it the best time to sell? Are you able to get what you believe is, um, you know, the property's worth? As well as that may not have been, um, you know, your family's wishes. We talked about they may have wanted those properties to pass on to you, you to maintain them, to be able to continue getting income from those rental properties. So that might not be what they wanted you to do, but unfortunately, some people are forced into to this solution. And then the fourth one and the most cost effective way is going to be using insurance to prepay taxes while living. Um, this is going to be the option that maintains or even increases your total estate value um, to your family. So essentially, you can think of, let's say we know, um, based on the existing the, the example right before, you know, you're going to have a tax bill that's approximately 620,000 or um, whatever the number was. You can, while you're living, you pre-buy a life insurance policy for that amount, and that's going to cost you cents on the dollar, okay? Because depending on your age and gender and your health, of course, but that's going to call you cost you a fraction of the dollar, and that's going to leave your family with the amount that they need in cash, and it's tax-free, and they can use those funds to, buy, to pay for the tax bill at that time. So you're essentially, um, you know, pay, you're eliminating tax by prepaying it while living. Okay. 
So what types of insurance are there? And I, I just wanted to go over this briefly because I know a lot of people aren't aware of the different types. You mentioned Primerica and, you know, they only, you know, talk about term, for example. So I wanted to go over because I know a lot of people aren't sure about the different types. Um, were you sure? Were you, were you aware of like the different types available to you? I just didn't think I needed whole life until I realized that you can, it could be an, an amazing investment. And that's was like, oh my goodness, I need way more whole life than I need term. I mean, obviously you need both, I think. Right. And then and universal it, life, forget about that. I think that's, I don't know. I personally think it's kind of a scam, but you know better. Which one? Universal. Oh, yeah. Universal? Anyway, whatever. We, we oh, this and whatever. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. You're the expert. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay, so what I want everyone to do at this point is literally just throw out what they, what they thought they knew about insurance. You know, whatever you think insurance is, I just want you to kind of get rid of that for a second and, um, you know, replace it with this. Insurance is really just, um, you know, you're buying tax-free discounted money from the insurance company. Okay, so simply put, you're buying money and you're just buying it at a tax-free discounted rate from the insurance company. So that's why it's such an effective estate planning tool because it's literally just cash. Okay, we have death claims paid out, um, you know, in five business days where the money has been electronically deposited into the beneficiaries accounts within five business days. And again, it's a lump sum, it's tax-free and it's just money, okay? So there are a few different types of insurance and um, this presentation is really gonna focus mostly on um, the life insurance side, but I'll just briefly go over um, the living benefits. So life insurance, obviously we talked about, it's gonna pay out a lump sum tax-free amount to your beneficiaries uh, when you pass away. And then we have living benefits. So there's disability insurance, which pays you while living a monthly benefit. It's also tax-free um, if you were to ever become injured or sick and cannot work, okay? Critical illness is a lump sum tax-free benefit also paid to you. Uh, and that's gonna be paid if you become diagnosed with one of the covered illnesses under the policy. So the big ones would be like heart attack, cancer, um, stroke, but it would cover, most policies would cover like around 25 different illnesses. So living benefits, it's because it's actually paying to you while living. And these things are really important too. We're not going to talk too much about them in my presentation, but it's important to look at those and to have a full um, insurance plan. You really need to be looking at all of them. And that's because, you know, what if something happens to you, but you're still alive, right? So you, you know, let's say become diagnosed with an illness or you become injured and you cannot work. So these are really important to continue maintaining the expenses in that one problem we talked about, because if you can't work, you know, who's going to continue to pay your bills, right? Especially when we're talking about like real estate investors, self-employed um, entrepreneurs and that kind of thing. We don't have any kind of benefits. We have to create our own benefits plans. So that's what these things um, are going to solve in that sense. Um, and in terms of life insurance and critical illness, they both have what we call term insurance and permanent insurance. So the difference between the two, um, term insurance is more of a temporary type of insurance. And the reason I call it temporary is because the premiums are not necessarily locked in. They do increase over your lifetime, depending on the type of term um, you've chosen. And it also has an expiry date. So most companies, the term policies would expire around age 85, let's say. Um, now term insurance, like I said at the beginning, one is not better than the other. Um, they're for different needs and they solve different problems. 
Term is great for protecting things like your income over the next 20 or 30 years. It's great for protecting mortgages over um, 25 years. And so term is great for protecting specific needs. Um, and the one benefit about term is that you can get a large amount of coverage for very minimal cost. And that's again, because of the temporary features of a term policy. So term kind of looks like this. Uh, this is an example of a 10 year term where you know the person starts the policy at age 35 and every 10 years the premium increases and at age 85 even if you can afford the premiums at that time because as you can see it's a significant increase um, as we age the policy expires after the expiry date so there's no more coverage there's no values in the policy after the expiry date Permanent insurance is exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's permanent. Uh, within permanent insurance, there's two types. So there's the universal life and the whole life insurance. Both of those are permanent life insurance. The difference between the two really comes down to the investment component of those policies. But both of them protect you for your entire life. Um, you can lock in your premiums at your age when you buy the policy. Uh, so that way the premiums don't increase. You know exactly what you're paying into the policy. You can also pay off these policies after a certain number of years. So you can choose, let's say like a 10 year premium paying period, 15, 20. Again, each person's different. It's gonna depend on you know, their age, their budget and so on. But you can pay off these policies and have the coverage for the rest of your life. So permanent insurance is a great estate planning tool. This is what permanent insurance would look like. So again, you have the coverage forever. So it's gonna cover you until the day something happens. And you can choose to pay off the premiums, let's say in 20 years, after that it would be paid off or 10 years would be a little bit more expensive in terms of monthly premiums, but total premiums would be a bit less and so on. So just, just uh, really quickly. Um, so this graph in this example, after you're 20, after you're 20 years old or you're 20, sorry, um, mm -hmm. that shows zero. So no more payments. The policy is paid for itself um, yeah. through the insurance that the residual income that it produces, it just pays it's for the premium. It's actually not like that. It's just paid off. Okay, yeah. So, so the, off. Old, the old were more like that where they didn't have guaranteed. These are guaranteed limited pay cost of insurances. So, so what that means is your for... cost of the insurance so I was just saying, even if you die at 100 the or uh, just regular, you know, old age or whatever, you still get paid out the full amount. Exactly. So it covers you for life. There is no expiry date on permanent policies like term has. So there's no expiry. It covers you forever. Um, but where they do have, let's say, like an expiry is the expiry on the premiums owed. So you don't have to pay premiums after, let's say you have a 20 pay policy. After 20 years, the policy is paid off. Your premium paying period is done, but you have the coverage for life. That's powerful. So that's huge. Like think about people in our age range, right? Like where we are in our thirties and forties. Um, so we're young still, right? Like we still hopefully have, you know, 40, 50 years left um, in our life. And to be able to pay off a policy and lock in our premiums at our age today and pay off those policies in let's say 10 years, is a huge advantage for um, younger people because no one wants to be paying a policy until the age of 100 possibly. Okay, so you know that's the potential of paying that policy for 50 to 60 to 70 years, depending when you start your policy. Um, can you imagine selling a house and being like, we don't know when you have to stop paying this policy, you'll just have to pay it forever. Yeah, well, that's what term is, right? So 
Exactly. Well, terms even a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. So really, I mean, when I compare the two, one example that a lot of people really understand is term insurance is more like renting a house. Okay, so you have that house to live in, you have the protection, if something happens to you, those policies get paid out. But every, let's say 10 years, your landlord's going to increase your rent. And at age 85, they kick you out of the house, they're no longer going to rent to you at that time. Okay, whereas permanent insurance is more like owning a house. So upfront, it's definitely more expensive than renting. So it's definitely more expensive than term insurance. But after that 20 years, you're done paying into that policy and you own it for the rest of your life. As well, there are cash values in permanent policies. So there's actually value growing in these policies every year. So not only are you done paying the policy and you have it for life, but it's actually growing in value. Okay, so depending on whether you go with a universal life or a whole life policy, that's going to really um, determine what investment tools in the policy are available to you. So whole life insurance, and this is the one that you really um, were attracted to, Ken, is because the insurance companies actually pay dividends into the policy. And what you do with those dividends, um, it's up to you. There's a few different dividend options, but majority of people put them back into the policy. And those dividends are actually used to build up not only a cash value that you can access while living, but it also is going to be buying paid up and paid up additional insurance into the policy and increasing your total insurance coverage over time. So whole life is great because you don't have to manage it yourself. Um, the insurance companies are paying profits into these whole life policies, essentially. Whereas universal life, you have the option of putting additional dollars into the policy and that can be invested within the policy in a tax advantaged investment account. If something were to happen to you, it could be paid to your beneficiaries and it's added to the death benefit. So it would be paid out tax free. Um, so both of them have really unique uh, investment tools in them and that's unique to permanent insurance. Term doesn't have those options available to those policies. Right. So while permanent insurance is a lot more expensive, you can borrow against, I'm sure you get in this presentation, but the reason why I yeah. got attracted to it is because you, you're just paying the premiums anyway, but what you can do is you borrow against it if you need um, to invest, right? So basically you get the money back. So there's a lot living, of, which is pretty cool. You know, I don't even like using the term expensive because when you look at it in the grand scheme of things and like over life, if you really look at, let's say, term insurance, yes, it's expensive compared to these first few years, right? But later on in life, you would say it's cheap. Yeah, that's true. Right. So yes, it's expensive up front, um, but it's not expensive when you really think about what are you getting with that policy in the sense of you're paying off you know, the insurance at a very discounted price. That's why at the beginning you were saying, and again, I always agree, the earlier you do this, the better, because you're locking in your cost of insurance at a younger age, um, you know, which is less premium. So you're actually, you know, over the long term and over lifetime, it's actually cheaper if you think about it, mm -hmm. because at this point, like, let's assume someone kept a term policy throughout life and they're paying these here and they live past the expiry date, those premiums are gone. Yeah. There's no coverage that's gonna be paid out. There's no cash values in a term policy. 
Um, so that's all gone, right? You paid for the coverage. If something happened to you, it would pay out. But if not, um, then the policy is gone. Whereas on a permanent policy, like we said, I mean, it's not a question of is the policy going to pay out? It's only a question of when will the policy pay out? Um, but again, just like you were saying, yes, there's values that are growing in this policy over your lifetime that if you needed to, you could borrow against. And, yeah, so it's really a- like, we, said, yeah, it's an asset with value to it. Um, it's an, you're adding an asset to your portfolio, right? So this is not only insurance protection, but it's an investment asset where it gives you the best of both worlds. It gives you the protection that you need as well as, um, you know, you can access it while you're living. So um, it's cool because uh, Erica is really awesome at this and you found a really good balance for me anyway, uh, for what I wanted uh, of mix of both. Like you don't have to pick either terminate term or permanent. You can do a mix of both. You should do a mix of both. And um, you found a really good thing for me based on the how much money I want to spend on the premiums versus how much coverage I want to get. So it's like a kind of a- Exactly. That's an amazing point because I think a lot of people, yeah, a lot of people think they have to choose one or the other. And that's not the case. In fact, you know, I would never want to be pushing just like, let's say all permanent and leaving you underinsured because that's really what it will likely come down to, especially in for younger people in the earlier phases of their careers and their lives, right? Where think about younger people who are just starting and just investing, they probably have the largest amount of debt at that time in their life and the smallest room in their budget for insurance. So we don't want to uninsured or underinsured just because you can't afford to protect your entire need and permanent. So most people would have um, a mixture of the two. And over your lifetime, you're going to be changing your insurance. Also, it's not something that you're going to do one time and just leave it as that, you know, we're you're going to constantly look at the term policy and see if your needs are changing. Do you need more? Do you need less? Same thing with permanent. Do you need more permanent insurance? Because that way you can increase it. And term gives you the ability to do that without having to show medical evidence of your insurability. Um, so it's a you know, term insurance, like I said, I would never say one's better than the other because it's not. We have to look at where you are in life, what are your needs, and make sure that your advisor does a financial needs analysis to figure out what is the need. Um, because I think a lot of people are probably surprised at what your family would be left with if something happened to you tomorrow. So correct me if I'm wrong, Ken, but, you know, most people know what they have and what they own, but they don't realize what would be payable if something happened to them tomorrow? Or maybe it's not that they don't realize it, but they're not thinking about it. Well, yeah, that's how you got me, right? Because you you really did the, you took the time to do the needs analysis and you really had to, because it's individual to each people, to exactly. each person in your situation. So you really got to know my situation first. You figured out approximately what my capital gains would be. And you said, you probably need this much amount of insurance. Plus, you know, have you thought about this and thought about that? And then Added up a little bit more. So yeah, that's, I think the power of what you do specifically Erica Lee. And, um, and I think you should take the time to really understand what you, what it is that you need before you figure out how much that'll probably answer the question for you. Exactly. So good yeah, job. because not only is it a question of what, how much do you need? It's also a question of what do you need? You know, we've kind of briefly gone over the two different types of insurance, and I think it's obvious how different they are and how they will help you in different Um, you know, with different issues, because one is not going to help with the same issue, right? Permanent insurance is going to be what we're doing for estate planning, making sure that 
when something happens to you, your family has the ability um, to, to, to meet all those uh, obligations that they're going to be faced with. And term is really to protect not only um, yourself and your loved one, but children in the event that something happens to you very prematurely and you're no longer there, you're no longer earning an income and so on. So they're very different. And that's why I say, yep, the premiums are very different. It's, it's obvious why they are. Um, so it's important to understand the two and we can definitely figure out what is the right mixture and the combination for your specific um, scenario. And I wanted to um, talk quickly about corporately owned insurance because I know this is something new to the real estate industry, uh, not necessarily to real estate investors, but it's new to uh, real estate agents. So the ability to incorporate and I, you know, obviously there's a lot of benefits of incorporating. So I just quickly wanted to touch on the benefits of corporately owned insurance and why, um, you know, what benefits do you get by having your insurance policies within your corporation? So obviously we know that real estate agents have recently been able to um, incorporate with their professional real estate corporations. And what does that mean? So let's say you have a policy and you own it with your corporation. That's going to mean that your company owns the policy, it pays for the policy, and it's the beneficiary of the policy. So having it set up in that way is going to allow you to take advantage of the cheaper premiums. And why I say cheaper premiums is because Regardless if you have a policy, personal or corporate, um, you're using after tax dollars to pay for your premiums. So when you have it in your corporation and your corporation's paying for the policy, your tax rate on your retained earnings, uh, sorry, your tax rate on your revenues in your corporation are going to be taxed at a much lower rate than if that money was um, paid personally. So you're being, you know, you're having to pay less tax to be left off with the same amount to pay that same premium. So you're essentially paying less when you're looking at gross dollars um, for the same policy when you have it in a corporation. So um, the next this also applies to yeah. not only real estate agents that are incorporating, but also entrepreneurs that have their own companies and their own businesses yeah. and corporations, or even like yeah. um, self-employed consultants that have a corporation and take their money that way. Yeah. So when you have that. a corporation, exactly, I would definitely talk to your advisor and see if this um, works for you. Um, and that you can have that policy in your corporation and take advantage of that because uh, exactly right. It's not just real estate corporations, it's corporate owned insurance. So um, I've heard some advanced strategies where you have a huge premium and you borrow to get that premium or whatever it is, you pay for it with pre-tax dollars, then you build this massive um, um, cash value and you can draw down on it through a, uh, a loan, I guess you could say, on, on it and you take yeah. your, basically your salary that way by using pre-tax dollars. How does that work? So that's what we call like immediate financing arrangements. Um, it's using a policy, a permanent life insurance policy with a cash value. And exactly, you can, you know, no, I don't want to get too into it because it is definitely a little bit more detailed. And I would say each person, I would want to go into it in detail with that person. Sure. But when you use the cash value to take a loan, okay, and it, you know, there's a few ways to do it because you can do it in the future. You can build up the cash value in a policy and borrow against the policy. This is how we talked about it, uh, me and you, Ken, where you build up a cash value and in the future, you actually borrow against the policy, uh, against the cash value of the policy. Another way to do it is, and why it's called an immediate financing arrangement, is because instead of waiting until, um, um, well, you're going to do it more in the earlier years of the policy, 
where you borrow against, you know, you can borrow, let's say, a up to 100% of the cash value. Um, and you obtain a loan against that cash value and, and you're using the insurance policy as collateral. Now, the issues with um, this that it's important to understand is that because your policy is corporately owned, you know, sometimes the shareholders want to use these, these loans personally and not corporately. Because remember, when you have a corporation, I know this is new in terms of the real estate industry. So it's important to understand that when you have a corporation, it's a separate entity from you. So a shareholder and their corporation is not you know, one together. Okay. So they're completely separate entities where if your corporation owns your policy, um, you know, that the benefits of that policy are to the corporation. Okay. So you can't just take a loan against the policy and take it personally to use the funds personally. And if you did do that, there's, it's important to note that there's going to be guarantor fees, um, guarantee fee that the shareholder has to pay to the corporation personally. Okay. So there's a lot of, um, implications and in terms of the rate changing, let's say we actually borrow against it in the earlier years and then the rate changes because you have to re you have to reassess it every single year. It's important to note that let's say the rate changes and now the bank or the lender requires additional collateral. That's something that you as the business would have to come up with. Um, and if you can't, you're gonna have to pay back the loan. Okay, so this is something that again, like I said, I would prefer to get into this one-on-one -on -one with people, but it is good to note that there's lots of concepts available. Um, how you structure it is gonna be dependent on, again, you and what you're really looking for, what the intention is with the policy um, and that kind of thing. But there is definitely a lot of different concepts available. But uh, what I'll talk briefly on, and that's what's here, is accessing the policy's values while living. So depending on what concept you use, um, we will get into that again, one-on-one. -on -one. But Accessing the policy's values is what we're really talking about. So let's say whether you're doing it earlier or later, the point is that you know that that policy gives you the option. Um, you know, you can look at the cash value of a life insurance policy as the equity in the policy. So like as like an equity in the house, that's available to you to either completely withdraw and cancel your policy, let's say. And most people wouldn't do that because it's taxable if you do it like that. Um, and you lose your insurance coverage, okay? So most people would borrow against and, and access the values in that sense by borrowing against the cash value. That way it's not income, so it's not taxable. Um, you know, you haven't changed anything in your policy, so the values are still growing. Although you're paying interest on the, the loan against the policy, um, you know, your policy is still growing. So it's kind of offsetting each other depending on what the, the dividend rate is um, that's going into your policy. But those are things that is a huge advantage, especially um, when you have um, the policy in your corporation, you're, you're funding it with corporate after-tax dollars. So like I said, it's cheaper premiums corporate average tax, but before personal tax. So that's awesome. Exactly. All right, cool. Sounds good. And then the other thing um, is corporate estate transfer, which I just wanted to touch on. Um, you know, I think that one of the biggest issues a lot of business owners have is not so much how can I, um, you know, let's say make more money. At the end of life, the biggest issue that we come across is how can I get my money out of my corporation mm -hmm. and pay the, you know, minimum tax? How can I eliminate or minimize my taxes owed? I want to transfer my corporate assets to my family, but they're stuck in my corporation, right? So that's one of the biggest problems that I see end of life for most business owners. 
And when you think of corporately owned insurance, it's essentially allowing you to transfer assets from your corporation to your beneficiaries and actually increase what you're transferring them. So just think, for example, you know, you have a million dollars of cash um, in your corporation and you want to transfer that to your grandchildren or your children. Okay. If you were to just withdraw that and transfer it to them or just transfer the cash to them and they withdraw it, you know, you're going to be left off. They're going to be left off with, let's say, you know, let's say you pay it as a dividend. They'll be left off with $650,000 of your million after they pay a dividend tax, let's say. Instead, what you could do while you're living is say, okay, Erica, I want to buy a policy where my premiums equal a million dollars over 10 years. Okay. So I'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars. Um, every year for 10 years. So you're essentially transferring your money from one bank account to another bank account that I like to call life insurance. Okay, so you're going to transfer 100,000 from your million to another account, which is the life. And when something happens to you, that policy is going to pay a death benefit to your beneficiaries of $3 million tax free. Okay, it grows. Yeah, exactly. The death investment as well. Yeah, exactly. Cash value grows. No, the death benefit alone. So let's say my premiums, $100,000 a year for 10 years are going to buy me a policy with a death benefit of $3 million. Again, it's going to depend on your age, your gender, your health. So this is just an example, but you've essentially taken the 1 million that would have been 650,000 to your, your grandchildren and turned it into 3 million. Okay. So that's why I call it like a corporate estate transfer. Awesome. Okay, so this is how, um, you know, most people are like, okay, well, if my corporation owns my policy and is the beneficiary of my policy, how does the money get to my family? Um, and that's obviously, um, we flow it through what's called a capital dividend account. Okay, so a capital dividend account is just a notional account. And there's a few things that can actually be credited to the capital dividend account and be paid to either your heirs or the surviving shareholders as a tax-free capital dividend. One of those things that are allowed is um, the death benefit of an insurance policy, less what's called the adjusted cost basis. So this is really just, um, you know, depending on when something happens to you, the adjusted cost basis starts off very low, it increases, it peaks, and then it goes down and goes to zero at a certain point in your life. And again, this will depend on how old you are when you buy the policy, the amount of insurance you're buying, and so on. But that's essentially the shape and um, pattern of how an ACB, um, you know, goes over time. So when you have that policy, you have your professional corporation, you have your policy that's owned, paid, and is the beneficiary of your insurance policy. And when something happens to you, the death benefit gets paid to your corporation tax-free and the death benefit minus the ACB gets flowed to the capital dividend account and gets paid to your beneficiaries tax-free. Let's say there was, um, you know, adjusted cost basis at the time of death, because let's say something happened to you prematurely, that amount isn't gone, it's in your corporation and isn't allowed to flow out tax free. Okay, so that's important to know, because I find a lot of people ask, so what happens to that amount? So it still was paid tax free to your corporation. It's just a matter of do you need to get it out or not? Okay, and if you need to get that portion out, you can dividend it out. It's minimal compared to the death benefit. Do you know what the limit is for the capital dividend account? 
Um, I don't think there's a limit in the sense of each payment. It's going to depend on each item that is actually flowing through there. So um, if it depends on the um, what is actually flowing through. So death benefit less the ACD would flow through. Okay. And again, this is something, you know, I want to just tell everyone that these are things like we'll get into more detail. I know it's a little bit general. Um, I think me and you talked for a few hours on our first yeah. meeting, right? If you're going to talk to Erica, it's going to be prepared for like three hours. She's patient, which is awesome, but there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff to cover. Oh, there is a lot like. to cover. And, and again, especially when we're getting into, um, you know, the corporate side of insurance, um, you know, there's a few more things that we need to go over. So it's important to just, yeah, set aside the time um, to make sure we go through everything for your needs and, and that kind of thing. Awesome. So yeah, we talked about some of the um, concepts already. So accessing the cash values, whether it's in the future or immediately is one thing, um, one concept in terms of using the values while you're living as well as still providing the insurance for your loved ones. So it's just not necessarily, I wouldn't call it like, let's say a concept. It's something that you wanna make sure that you know is available to you with your policy as well as um, we talked about corporate estate transfers and just insuring children and parents. I don't think we talked about that in, in um, yet so far. So I just wanna quickly touch on it. Um, you know, it's really important to, to make sure that one, let's say for children, um, especially when you're talking about a, a very large um, estate transfer or inheritance to them, um, that, that it's important to understand what their tax bill would be for their future children or their future beneficiaries. So, even preparing them for that is uh, something that you guys can do while living and while the children are young, locking in their cost of insurance at a young age is going to significantly reduce the premiums paid into the policy also. So insuring children and, and preparing for their future protection is one um, really important concept. And insuring parents, I think some, that's something that a lot of people don't think about, but it's such a useful tool as well. Um, you know, a lot of self-employed people, and now that you're able to incorporate as real estate agents, you may not want to take um, full advantage of, let's say, retirement savings accounts, uh, retirement savings plans. So, you know, yes, you get the tax deduction and the tax savings now while living, uh, now while putting the money into the RRSP. But of course, when you withdraw from it, it is fully taxable. So yeah, same as the corporation. Yeah, exactly. So there's no point. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, so it's a fully taxable withdrawal. Um, and I think that the idea of RRSPs worked very well in the past because the idea was that while we're earning income in our younger years, we get the tax savings. And right when we hit 65, we're going to retire and have no income. But that's not the case anymore, right? So we can yeah. even see with most people, especially what we're talking about today, um, you know, there's significantly, there's significant rental incomes, investment income. So incomes don't go to zero and then, yeah, we'll start withdrawing out of our RSP. That's always going to be an issue, I think, especially with investors in terms of how can we minimize this tax that we're paying on our RSP withdrawals. And there's no way once you withdraw it, there's tax, right? Sure. So one really unique concept is insuring parents. Uh, you know, we can think of, you know, think of your own parents and how old are they? So, you know, think of life expectancy. Obviously, we don't want to talk about um, anything happening to the people we love, but you can 
use insurance that's insuring your parents as almost, um, you know, retirement savings concept, because you buy a policy that's insuring them. And when something happens to them, that tax-free death benefit gets paid to you. Okay. Yeah. So essentially eliminates any taxes that would have to be paid. It's a full lump sum um, that you can now uh, are free to do what you want with it. Um, so it's a really effective uh, retirements, you know, investment concept that a lot of people don't really think about. So that's another option in terms of insuring your loved ones, right? Do you need their consent? Just curious, never thought of that. Well, I know we have to talk about this still, but. Sorry. Yeah, they would have to sign it. Okay. Um, it would <laughs> on their health right so they're going to have to be answering like the right. medical questions they'll be part of the process um and you know that's it's so funny because that is actually one of the common questions that like get asked when you you talk about this concept but yeah. you'd be surprised most parents are happy to help with something like this um you know especially um you know, you know i think a lot of parents have done it themselves but maybe a lesser amount than um you know we can do additional. So it's something that a lot of parents are definitely open to. They're more than willing to help fill out the paperwork, do the application and, and get that policy in place for you. Um, so yeah, you definitely need their consent. They'd be part of the process, answering the questions um, and that kind of thing. Yeah, it's definitely an uncomfortable conversation to have, but it's something that needs to be had or you should have because this is a powerful concept for sure. Yeah. Um, if you had to choose between insuring children or parents, is there like what, what talk about the advantages and disadvantages of, of what, what the pros and cons of this? Yeah, I mean, they're totally different. So again, it's it's yeah. going to be um, the your scenario, right? Like yeah. I said, insuring your parents is more of a, um, you know, you can look at the concept as more of a uh, and again, you'd have to look at what are their obligations going to be when they pass, what kind of tax right. going to be owed when they pass. If your parents passing is going to trigger a large um, tax bill, then definitely I would start there, right? Insuring children is going to be more so being able to, yes, you know, protect your family in the meantime, knock on wood, something were to happen to a child, that's obviously going to rattle a family. But at the same time, it's more so providing them the future protection and ensuring their insurability, making sure that they can get insurance because you're locking it in while they're young and healthy. Knock on wood, you know, as we age, unfortunately, we don't get healthier <laughs> or younger. So it's, they're very different concepts. I wouldn't say one, again, is better That's than true. the other, but they're very different. I mean, because you can essentially, I mean, the accessing future cash value, you can also access their future cash value because it's Definitely. really your policy as, yeah. as the adult, adult paying for it. Exactly. I mean, you may or may not want to do that. That's just something that uh, another advanced yeah. strategy could use. So I guess it's different options. Exactly. So when you insure parents, either children or parents, like you can be the owner on the on both policies. Definitely, you'll be it on the parent on the children. Um, so you're the owner. You have full control of the policy. There's not a certain date that you have to pass that ownership on to the children. Um, that's up to you as the owner. So you're exactly right. If you wanted to access those values on the child's policy, you have that um, option too. So you're awesome. the owner of the policy. You have that right to the policy. Now, here's a question um, that I got from somebody. What if you don't have kids and you don't plan on having kids? Is insurance a, um, a viable thing? I mean, I guess you're a beneficiary of your estate. I mean, assuming you're going to leave an estate um, yeah. you know, to your next person. Yeah. I guess that policy is what you'd get it for, right? So say if you pass, you don't have kids, you leave it to a parent or a sibling or somebody or, or charity yeah. even for that matter. Yeah. Um, so what's your comments on that? 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's going to, again, depend on your specific scenario. But if you have any kind of estate that you're passing on to someone, um, any kind of obligations that you're passing on to someone, uh, insurance is definitely going to be probably the most effective tool to ensure that that person isn't overwhelmed or, um, you know, put into a more negative place because of that passing, right? At the same time, it's not even just, um, you know, you have to look at again, that's why I say everyone's different. But if you're um, a business owner, and you have a business partner, let's say, you know, that's one of the biggest things too to make sure that, you know, two key people in the business are insured, knock on what something happens to one of them, the business can function, you can, uh, you know, retain those shares and so on. So there's so many different um, reasons that you would need the insurance, but you're exactly right. If there's anything that you're passing on to someone, if there's any kind of bill that's being passed on to someone, um, whether it's children, or even your parents, right? Like if something happens to us prematurely, that's going to go to our parents. Yeah. So do you want to put them in a situation where, you know, they'll just have to fend for themselves? Or do you want to make sure that they're um, looked out for everything uh, has been thought of and, and they don't need to stress or worry um, about that? Right. Because, you know, for real estate investors, if you're talking about uh, passing on property, real estate is largely illiquid, illiquid. Like you can't liquidate it really quickly. Liquid. And exactly. even born, you might have the ability to remortgage it or anything like that. So exactly. this is why insurance is so popular. And this is why I wanted my people to listen to this and, yeah. and hear this conversation. So Yeah, I mean, I would say it's a medium, medium in terms of liquidity, right? Like, even if you can sell something fast, you know, it takes time to get yeah. that closed. So yeah, six months. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, it is liquid in the sense of, yes, you can definitely you know, cash out if you wanted to, but it's more so a question of how quickly, how much, and um, how, how, like basically how much are you willing to lower your price to find the buyer, right? So it's not- right. And whether or not it's the right time to do it, exactly. exactly. So it the, is- The market might be bad and you might not want to sell it at that time. Exactly. So you want to make sure, you know, plant, the, these things are just, like I said at the beginning, it's an umbrella. So this investment is an umbrella to your other investments. It's not to say, oh, don't sell those things. It's to say, if now's not the best time, you don't have to. Right. Whereas if you didn't have something like that, um, you'd be forced to. If you couldn't maintain the financial obligations, you'd be forced to do something, right? They, there's a name for it. It's called a fire sale. And yeah. those that name is there because they know that person is in desperate need. Um, they want it quick. They want it fast. They're desperate. They need to get this off their hands. So you don't want to put your loved ones in that kind of situation where they're forced to do something that's not the best um, option that's available to them. For sure. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. is there anything else? Sorry. No, basically that's it. I mean, insurance is a really effective tool. Um, you know, we talked about it as an umbrella investment. It's great to protect everything else that you work so hard for that, you, you know, you've, you've built up and, and, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that growth, we look at it as a good thing, right? Obviously, we want the growth in our investments and we want that growth. Um, otherwise, it probably wasn't a great investment. <laughs> but that's also kind of like it's a double edged sword because it's great on one hand, but that is that growth is what's going to leave you with that huge tax bill. Okay, so I, you know, of course, we want that growth, but we just have to be prepared. You know, you have options available to you. It's just up to you which options you actually take advantage of. It takes time, it takes planning, um, and make sure, you, you know, you're, you're informed on it, which is what's so great that you're doing this uh, webinar for people, because I do find a lot of people know insurance, 
but they don't know what it is, how they can use it, and the different types that are available to them. And even who to contact. So speaking of that, what's the best way to reach out to you? And how's the best way? There we go. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So you can reach me at email, um, my website, which has my contact information, but the best way is probably through email. And my email is very easy to remember. It's just my name, erica.ca. Yeah. yeah. And if you're afraid to reach out to Erica before that, just ask me for my personal experience because it's it's really awesome and powerful. And I wish I did this earlier. I wish oh. I did this in my 20s. It would have been a lot cheaper. But ultimately, I'm glad it's happened. Um, as my income grows now, it's it's probably the right mix. But I'm just I just wish I did it earlier for sure. For sure. And that's honestly what everyone says. I've never come across. I've never delivered a death claim to a family member, and they said to me, "Oh, honestly, Erica." we don't need all of this. You can take some of it back, right? The number one thing probably people say is like, oh, I wish they did more. Or I wish they did it earlier and that kind of thing. So, you know, it's, I know it's a difficult, like you said, it's like a little bit of a difficult topic to talk about, but it doesn't have to be. It's um, out of love and planning and it's really there to help your loved ones. And that's really all. Yeah. Exactly. And if you don't talk about it, I know it's uncomfortable and I know it's serious, just like wills and estates and mm-hmm. all the kind of stuff. And you know, prenuptials, if you have that as well, too. But ultimately, it's it's very important to have this on the table and just and talk about it so that you can plan and transition it. And the better you, you are prepared for it, you're, the better your family will be uh, thankful for you later on. Because yeah. it's, it's guaranteed. You're going to die. Yeah. We're going to die, unfortunately. You know, yeah. so. Anyway, yeah. Erica, thank you very much for your time. You are the absolute best. You, you are amazing. Thanks for saving my family. And, I and my appreciate future. it. And I'm glad that I can be part of it. <laughs> awesome. It's always worked for me um, because I totally agree with you. It's literally a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. And the problem is people don't think about this until they have kids, right? Because they exactly. want to pass off their stuff to the kids. Yeah. And by then it's already so late. Like, yeah. I wish they started earlier. I always so. say insurance is probably at the bottom of people's list when they're single. Then it like screeches up a little bit when they get married, but not much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. most people don't care about their spouse. Yeah, it's so true. Wait, care about their children right that's right they're that's like right. oh they'll be fine they can take care of themselves that's right well it's essentially it's you it. have kids yeah it's like it's number one it's number one on your list and it becomes literally the most important thing um even before wills i find people are like doing this before wills absolutely absolutely becomes such an important um you know to do but sometimes it's too late and not even just about premiums and becoming older, but health, right? Like honestly, Ken, this past week has been so tough because I've literally had um, a multiple declines and people don't realize that like that if your health doesn't qualify for insurance, you can't get it. It doesn't right. matter if you're willing to pay like 10 times the price. Right. It, they just won't give it to you. Right. 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 Because it's too risky for them. Yeah. Because ultimately these companies need to make money. Right. So it's all about risk, right? Like they're, how much risk are they willing to take on? And um, they're not willing to take on too much risk. And I, it's so funny because we do find that when the insurance companies either like rate people increase the premiums or they, um, you know, decline them, it's sad to say, but like five years later, we'll get a call and the person passed away. Yeah. And it's happened so many times, like their statistics and like the mortality that they're like basing this on is it's no joke. Mm. You know, that's why I always say for people like you who get like preferred, um, you know, take that as like, go buy a lottery ticket. Cause like, <laughs> the insurance company is literally telling you like you're less risk to us. Which means I need to keep up the health and continue to work out and 
exactly. eat healthy. So, or not continue start, I should say. Um, so <laughs> it's time exactly. to really get back into shape. But um, no, this is a really important conversation. I really, really thank you. And I think everybody listening thanks you. You should reach out to all the realtor partners or all the people you have, like people like me, yeah. your clients, and know, do these right? webinars that have an audience because like people need to hear this message. I can't thank you enough. This is amazing. I'm glad we finally did it. Yeah. Hopefully we can do a podcast in person one day. If you want to learn more, visit broadviewavenue.ca and click on the button to schedule a 15-minute call to talk to us. Look forward to hearing from you soon and to build your wealth as a real estate investor. It's Kenneth Yim, and thanks for listening.